0: Orale! Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. This is Jorge Martín and Familia, we're on YouTube. Please give us a like and subscribe, por favor. Really appreciate it. And this is, I, I, I tell you, we've got a continuation of our NFL Insider Series. We're going down to New Orleans today. Uh, and so, you know, uh, you know, you all talk... you. This is going to be a familiar face from last year. And so you know that there's going to be talk about food at some point later on. So, (laughs) yes, we know. But first off, I just want to give you guys a quick shout out. Remember, when you go to fantasypoints.com, make sure you get you put in the promo code Familia22, Familia22, you get 10% off and you got some of the best fantasy minds that are out there right now. Uh, You know, everything is in the middle of 32 articles, 32 days. 32 podcasts all leading up to training camp. You got the key offseason season moves. You got Scott Barrett's strength of schedule. You got Graham Barfield's base and tendencies. Joe Dolan is killing it on his beat writer series. Similar to this one. Uh, I am telling you, you got so much. You got John Hanson's final points. Tom Brawley. Wes Huber has been killing it. He's oh, familia. Make sure. Familia 22. Again, familia 22. If you want to do it in Spanish and uh, get you 10% off and, ah, oh, like I said, we got a return guest. Mi amigo John Hendricks is back from S from Sports Illustrated, from a part of the Fan Nation Network. It's Saints News. He is one of the lead dogs on there. And I tell you, I mean, I had to have him back on because he just gave me such pretty much from training camp news, and updates, and analysis, and I mean, it it was just such a a pleasure, tan gran placer, had to bring him back, so, mi amigo, John Hendricks, welcome back, bienvenidos, estas en tu casa, thank you for joining us.
1: Hola, como estas, thanks for having me, I appreciate it, for sure, and definitely glad glad to be back here again for another year.
0: Awesome, and you know, it's, and it's another year, it's a very different year, we've got a new coach, Uh, first off, how surprising was that for you, (laughs) that, that when that happened
1: you know i I think it was pretty surprising that peyton stepped down right and um you know not that it wasn't completely out of left field but again just kind of see some signs and then after the news hits it kind of makes more sense if you will and so look last year was hard right and you have the different starters at quarterback i mean you lost Jameis winston you had the quarterback battle you go through pretty much uh four different the quarterbacks, you have fifty-three plus different starters on the roster. I mean, COVID—you have all these challenges, and of course, everybody else around the league is doing it. But you know, for Sean and and just kind of things that happened, I mean, it—it it was this team was primed to make a run, and I think the biggest thing to take away is that hey, all the stuff that they still had to deal with, they were still in a position to make the postseason, and it came down to that final week. They did what they had to do, but unfortunately, it didn't go their way. So, look, it was real challenging, and and look, I think that burnout is real. I think. Uh, whether mm. it's coaching, whether it's job, whether it's what we do, we all will reach a stage where it kind of feels like we burn out a good bit. And so, look, I, I understand that. And when you do it for so long, um, you know, you kind of uh, definitely empathize, sympathize there and stuff. And so, look, I think Peyton, um, you know, being in a broadcast setting is definitely going to be good. I, I don't know that he'll be back at coaching. I think that might be in his DNA and his blood that he might want to, but, look, when you get to that booth, we've seen guys like Bill Cowher, you know, uh, that Tony Dungy, they get there and they're fine. They don't want to move back. And and there's going to be some tempting offers, I'm sure. But, you know, the Saints still have his rights. But that was surprising. But, uh, man, they got a good successor for him. Somebody who knows the organization has been there 12 out of the past 16 years, knows how things are run and the expectations that go with it. And so I think uh, this is a year where, if you're sleeping on new orleans you're probably making a big mistake because i think they're going to be in to shock a lot of people this season
0: so uh you know you mentioned the, the move to dennis allen uh, and obviously it's continuity he was the defensive coordinator he's got previous uh, coaching experience you also have pete carmichael as in you know in the new offensive play caller uh you're when you're talking about change change you know such a change someone from sean payton who's considered an offensive genius obviously you know drew Brees has so much to thank for him for his hall of fame career but you know carmichael was in the room too you know setting up the so how much continuity can we see in the offensive game plan the scheme and kind of like a breakdown of how they're going to go run versus pass this year
1: Yeah, look, so I think the biggest takeaway, first of all, is that the the offense is going to run the same way it has been for the past 15, 16 years, right? And that's kind of been said and evident so far from everything we've heard, everything we've talked to, Pete Carmichael, Dennis Allen, all these types of things. And so Pete Carmichael has been the offensive coordinator. He's been the guy that's been there for a long time. And, you know, I think as I go about, you know, I've had talked to former players. I used to do a a podcast with uh, Terrence Copper, great. You know, veteran wide receiver in the league that's hung around for ten plus years, and you know, one of the things that even when he was early on the scene in New Orleans, I mean, he just talked about how authoritative Pete was and just how smart he is. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is how how smart he is, kind of like one of those mad scientist type guys. And he's learned a lot. He's obviously knows what's expected in offense in New Orleans and such. And so, look, I think pass heavy is kind of the tendency. Maybe you want to look at, especially with some of these receivers that they've gotten building, kind of this upgraded talent and you know, not to go on a tangent, but last year, the offense was just horrible, right? I mean, it's it's the fact that you had such a talent deficient product at wide receiver, which made teams easier to key on Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara had a down season, right? He, you know, had some of his lowest totals. His touchdown was uh, ratio was way off from the year before where he had gotten the end zone 20 plus times. I mean, there's just so many things that happen in that course. And so, look, some of it's continuity quarterback. Some of it was not having the right receivers. Some of it was injury. Some of it was offensive line. I mean, you could put pretty much anything you want. And obviously these are professionals. They're not going to sit here and make excuses, but we know better, right? And so – Carmichael is going to go in here. He's going to be smart. He's going to be very energetic. And I think he's one of those guys, just like a lot of these players on the roster that he's going to come in. And I think shock a lot of people. I think he's going to come in here and show people that, Hey, this offense is still really capable, obviously from a down season, that's kind of in the past, if you will. And behind you, Jameis Winston is the guy he's going to go in there. He's working really strong alongside of Pete Carmichael. They're trying to come up with a sting together. And I think that's obviously another big takeaway is that, Winston's more involved than he was and has probably ever been in anything, right? Because he knows he's the guy and that everything rests on him. And so Carmichael is going to be one of those guys that I think you see the genius kind of come out in some aspects. What I think that they're going to be missing in some aspects though, is the fact that when Peyton was heading everything up, his tendencies, right? He was very aggressive on some of these calls and some of these fourth down calls. And so I think that's where, big differences between him and Dennis Allen are, and what we got to see is going to happen is, you know, if it's a fourth and three, Peyton had no problem doing it. Right. Cause he knew what <laughs> you didn't have a kicker that could do anything last year. Let's go mm. for it because of the, the tendencies, right. And some of the analytics and charts behind that, I don't know what we'll see this season. And I think that's some of the un, cool unfactor or cool X factor that you just uh, unknowns that you just don't know. Right. And so But uh, I think that that all the players that we've talked to and I've talked to and coaches have given a very glaring vote of confidence for Pete Carmichael and a guy who's been around this organization and knows what to expect. So I don't think there's going to be much drop off here.
0: So let's talk about the court. Let's start with the guy who's going to be taking the snaps. And this year it's not, it's completely clear. I was listening last year. You called it right. It was going to be Jameis. And, uh, but it's his job. Taysom Hill is not is is no longer in a quarterback battle. He's coming off the knee injury. So first off, I wanted to ask where he is on the rehab because I think at uh, when OTAs he was about seven months past his injury, and I know they usually like nine to ten months. That's number one, and number two, number two. Well, let, let's start with number one there. How's sure, yeah, you
1: know, his yeah, his progress is great. So, I mean, he's been ahead of schedule and a lot of the milestones in his rehab. Um, look, you know, I think a lot of people were making, especially, you know, being out there and stuff that, people were making some big deals about a limp and look, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if anybody else that has had major surgery and and things like that, that don't have problems afterwards. And it's it's part of the recovery process. I mean, I played hockey for 20 plus years. I broke my ankle. I limped heavily after I was back healed, if you will, and stuff. So, I mean, there's just all these things that come up. I say it was just pretty much overblown, but you know, look, he's commanding the brace this season. Right. And obviously recent kind of videos have shown Mm -hmm. him, throwing without the brace and just not having it on. And and look, again, that's encouraging because that means his knee is strong and where it needs to be. And he's always talked about. So he avoided major MCL damage last year. It was the ACL, right? And so he, that's where he had to repair the surgery right now what he ex- explained to us a while back was that it's just the meniscus is trying to make sure that it heals properly and it is good to go from a strength perspective. And so that's kind of been the, the big thing. And it's not necessarily it's held it and held him back, but it's just one of those he needs to make sure it's good to go before he does a lot more things. And just the fact that he was being out there and just kind of doing a lot of those drills, especially without the knee brace is really encouraging for him. He's going to be 100%. I know it for sure starting week one, but Again, unless something wild changes, which I doubt it will, he's going to be wearing the brace this season. Um, and again, it's just said nothing that's going to hinder him or anything like that. But, you know, it's just uh, one of those safety measures, if you will. And a lot of players do it and he shouldn't have any problems with it. So he's good to go. He's going to be fine. And uh, they're expecting a lot of big things out of him this season.
0: And you're right. You know, it, it, it's not like he's Lamar Jackson, who's going to be out there running a lot or something like that. So that's that that's the big thing. You know, being ready to go, he did have a more conservative approach last year, uh, you know, not throwing not throwing VAR down the field so much when uh, I mean, which is very different from what he was like in in Tampa, where he was just a mad bomber, you know, taking taking shots down the field is are we going to see a little bit more of that in an offense that can be really explosive with a top when a quarterback is uh, operating at the top level?
1: Yeah, look, I think when you look at his sample size last year, obviously I think he did great. And if he was in there for all 17 games, the Saints would have made the playoffs. I mean, that was mm-hmm. easily, right, what would have happened. Um, I think when you look at it, they were kind of in this fe- period where they were just kind of seeing how things were going. I I think, I, I say this is lack of better phrase, it's kind of like the training wheels were on a little for him, right? And mm-hmm. then they were slowly coming off, and he was doing well. I think he was going through some of his reads he was very talent deficient at wide receiver. He's talent deficient in a lot of areas. Right. And so uh, I think he was making the most of some of those decisions. He did have some of those deep shots that he was able to connect with like Deontay Hardy and such, and just uh, like the Washington game and some of these different ones that happened green Bay early on. But look, I think as far as where he's at in his, his chart and where he's going to go this season, I think that you can see a lot of things open up on the playbook. Right. And I think one of the things that he didn't do last year that I think we'll see a lot more this season is, kind of those shorter type of intermediary ra- routes. And and I mean, particularly using the backfield because that's one of the areas where they had a lot of improvement. Kamara's receptions were down. um His his effectiveness was down in that terms in the passing game. It's something that he's talked about this off season is just kind of going back to some of those Drew Brees films and some of those tapes that he's looked at and saying, Hey, how can I use AK, a lot better in those passing game. And I think that's going to be something added to this. And I think that's obviously something that's been missing, you know, even when he was with Tampa, you know, he had two great tight ends. He had some good wide receivers, some great wide receivers. Right. And so he didn't really have a good compliment in backfield. And that's something he has in New Orleans right now. And so uh, obviously, there's some things and factors that, you know, we'll probably talk about with Kamara and, and legal process, Ingram aging a little bit. But, you know, on the surface right now, assuming nothing crazy happens and everybody's 100 percent, the sky's the limit. Right. And again, you got more. Uh, some of your biggest factors coming back from a wide receiver perspective in Michael Thomas, I mean, that in itself. It's tremendously going to help this team. Then you get Chris Olave in the draft. I mean, this guy's looked at outstanding. Jarvis Landry, you get him on a relatively hometown-friendly discount. He looks rejuvenated. And, I mean, so, you know, just those three guys coming in as your top trio. Then you add in the guys that were in starting positions last year that are going to be your four, five, and six on the depth chart. I mean, Winston's got his pick of the litter, right? And I think he's in for a tremendous season, bounce back player, comeback player, whatever you want to say. I think he's gonna fit the bill for a lot of that.
0: Yeah, normally I'd go to the running backs, but you know, you you, t- you touched on the receivers. You know, there, there's so much intrigue about this group, such a such an influx of talent, uh, especially if Michael Thomas comes back healthy. So I want to start with Michael Thomas. You had an article uh highlighting an Instagram post that he had showing him running routes. He looked, he looked clean. He, he looked, he, he looked good out there. He wasn't, I mean, I think it was like a 32nd Instagram. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's not like, you know, <laughs> you're watching him at practice, but, uh, what, what do you see as his prognosis for being ready for week one from, from what you, I know they're always conservative about these things, but, you know, after missing all the last year and most of 2020, um, what's, what's his outlook for coming back and, uh, possibly being a bargain in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I can, would be completely, utterly shocked if Michael Thomas is not on the field starting in week one. I just don't I don't see a scenario where that's happening. Um, just because the way the rehab has gone, all these other things, whether it's a setback or all these types of stuff. Look, he's been in the facility. He's been working his butt off. He's been in there doing what he's supposed to from a rehab perspective. You know, just today he was just showing a, a video where he's working alongside Chris Alave. They're putting in work together. He's running, he's doing these routes. And I think that's the encouraging thing is that Look, he's making his presence felt. I don't expect him to be this guy that comes into training camp day one and is somebody that, you know, you see 100% of Michael Thomas. I think that they want to ease him because they know how important this guy is to their offense and what they do. And, you know, he hasn't got a chance to work with Jameis Winston, really. And and the thing is, Winston's really excited. I mean, last year, he was, I mean, even coming in, he's, he's super excited to work with Michael Thomas. And so, again, I would say from a fantasy perspective, I don't know if you can expect, the 2019 production. I just don't see that as a reasonable, but this is a guy, assuming he's healthy, which I believe he's 100% going to, going to be 100% going to week one target share. I don't see there's any reason why he can't be a thousand yard guy, a 10 touchdown guy, maybe upwards of 80 to 100 receptions. I think he's got a, a tons of upside. And if you're drafting, whether it's Dynasty, keeper or regular formats. If you got him in the late mid to late rounds, you better go look at him because I think, um, you know, Chris Olave is another guy that's going to obviously cut in the targets. Same thing with Jarvis Landry, but I feel really good about Thomas being that number one guy. I don't see much of anything that's going to hinder you from having to scare away from him.
0: So I, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear. He's, he's going to be the number one guy uh, uh yep. wide receiver one, assuming, assuming health. So let's look at Jarvis Landry, proven veteran slot guy. Who's just going to get a ton, who can, who's gotten a ton of volume both in Miami and in Cleveland and Chris Olave, one of the, one of the smoothest, I mean, they talk so much about smooth route runners, just a, a really beautiful ball, uh you know, wide receiver coming out of Ohio state. How do you, a lot of times rookies, Start off slow. So, can you see the pecking order going Landry and Olave with Olave catching up there toward you know toward the you know latter half of the season?
1: I I think Olave is going to have a better start to the year than some people are probably thinking about. Just because here's why I say that. So yeah, smooth the route running all that. I mean he just makes everything look effortless, right? And so why i say that is because from day one that he's worked with james winston he's come up to him and said hey you know what can i do how can i how can i do this better what can i do to, to be in the right spots the where do you want the ball at where do you need me to be all these types of things and you know again it seems kind of like okay well given but it's a way a professional a veteran type of player would act you know as a rookie so many things, and, and again, I'm not picking on Ian Book here, but know, well, last year he he had struggles with the playbook, right? And so some of these rookies come in and they're just trying to, to survive and trying to catch on and adapt. Um, you know, and it's a hard thing to do, and especially for a receiver, but we've seen a lot of success. Justin Jefferson is a guy that's just blown it up. Jamar Chase, a lot of these guys that have come in and have made such a huge impact as a rookie. I'm not saying Olave is gonna be the offensive rookie of the year or anything like that, I think he has a good strong chance. But, you know, honestly, from a, a target share reception perspective, I think you can look at him easily four to six times. I think he's going to get some some good looks, especially when if Michael Thomas is 100 percent and you got Jarvis Landry, a veteran out there and you got Olave, And then you have a Camaro on the field, assuming that you, know, you get the protection, what you want and the looks and the timing. I think that these defenses are going to be pretty confused with a hundred percent offense uh, that the saints can throw at you. And so I think that's going to open up a a good bit. I think he's, he's great. As far as his hands go, um, everything that we've seen from him and then some, the guy just comes in and just works. He's just such a, a, a blue collar worker. And he just, again, makes it look effortless. And I think that he's a guy, especially if you're in a dynasty league or rookie only, I think he's one of your first round picks easily. One of your first picks that you look at if you're trying to fill out that roster, if you will. And so I think he's in for a pretty strong season and look, the saints wide receivers production. You look at last year was the worst they've ever had under Sean Payton. So it's uh it was tough to watch. And I think that all three of these receivers, you know, look, they could flirt with 1,000 yards each, this season. And, of course, a lot of that hinges on Jameis Winston, hinges on the offensive line protections. I mean, there's so much that hinges on. But if you tell me that all three of these guys wouldn't have a 1,000 yards at the end of the season plus, you know, I would kind of be surprised. But, you know, easily in that 750-plus range uh, with a few scores is, is very modest protection, projection for Alave.
0: Yeah, that that would be fantastic, especially, especially getting – you know, because – I think that's great for a rookie and you know when you were talking just now i had a flashback to calvin ridley's rookie year where he had julio jones on the other side so he's taking that big you know he's taking the number one db and he ended up with 10 touchdowns as a rookie and when a healthy michael thomas is going to draw the number one db for for and so chris olave and, and jarvis landry landry being such a technician but i mean i think that's that's opening up a lot of opportunities. Uh so, and yeah, and if Jameis is if Jameis is anywhere, you know, takes a neck progression and starts uh starts going in the mirror routes, uh and maybe some deep shots, Olave is one of the guys that he's gonna be taking. I think he's one of the fastest receivers at the combine. So hey, okay. You get, you convinced me. You convinced me to t- <laughs> take an early shot on him. Uh, yeah and
1: look I would say this and I'm uh, sorry just to, to no. say on Jarvis Landry, he's looked absolutely reinvigorated he looks like he's a guy that's going to come in here and, and do extremely well too. So, and he's in a contract. You're obviously taking that one year deal. Um, and it's, it's one of those that, Hey, I'm betting on myself to try to secure a, a next bigger contract. Right. And so um, I, I think that you can expect a lot of big things from Jarvis Landry, just him and Tyron Matthew, just coming back to Louisiana oh, right. has been such a huge, like you could just see the energy. You could just see the, the determination. You could just see, that's how people are just riding a the high there. So I think Landry's in for a strong season. Um, again, wide receiver three, when you look at the grand scheme of things, but he's a guy that's going to be in the slot. I expect him to move the chains a good bit. I expect him to be that guy that, hey, if all else fails, he's a guy that I can just lean on and to turn or, you know, to move, uh, pick up a few yards here and there. And look, I think he's going to try to get to that, uh, that spot where he's, you know, he hasn't been a thousand yard receiver in a couple seasons. He's got a lot to prove here. And so I think he's going to be a weapon that, Winston's going to use, and that's a chemistry that's going to just, you know, only flourish as we get further along in the training camp process, and as we get to the regular season.
0: Well, we also know that uh, Jarvis Landry likes to bless him. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was a beautiful hard knock. Uh, I want to go to the running backs now. Uh, Alvin Kamara from the Pro Bowl. There is the legal situation that's uh, that that is coming up out of the fight. Uh, the NF, as of this. As as of this recording, which we're recording on July seventh, there's nothing yet on him. How, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to look in the crystal crystal ball and say there's going to be a suspension. How long that suspension is? What uh, any tea leaves that you, that that you're reading that says what, you know, what 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 could be happening with him? And uh, you know, late July, August, when the NFL comes down with discipline, if well- it comes down.
1: Yeah, so the first thing to, to know is that his hearing is, is August 1st, right? And so mm-hmm. this has already been postponed and pushed back a couple of times. So maybe we'll get some more clarity on August 1st. But, you know, it's coinc- I say that because... It's it. You got another player that's worried about some of the potential league discipline in Marcus May, a guy they picked up in free agency who's going to be starting in their secondary. He has a, a an off-season arrest from February 2021 that still hasn't been fixed or has not been resolved, and his next court date is also on August 1st, right? And so um, they have two players that have kind of some legal stuff that's not been fixed up yet. And I'm not saying that Kamara. His case won't continue to be the same way or that old thing. But you got something that happened in February 2021 that still hasn't been put to bed. And obviously that has to be resolved first until the NFL comes down and does their legal type of discipline. Now, with Marcus May, it's pretty straightforward. DUI, new CBA. That's a three-game suspension. We'll see how that plays out. I think that's probably a little bit more straightforward than Camara. With Kamara, there's more people involved, and I don't know how that's going to particularly play out. I know the video and everything I've heard and seen doesn't look particularly favorable. But then again, we just don't know because the last time that this all came about, you know, the defense said they needed more time to analyze the video and just kind of look at some of the evidence that's been presented. And so I think that, you know, there's been a lot of things that have said that, hey, Kamara bracing for a six game suspension. Then Kamara claps back and says, I don't know what y'all talking about. you know, what crystal ball you got? Can I get the Powerball numbers and stuff? And so, look, I would expect that no matter what, that you're going to have some type of discipline for Alvin Kamara. Um, The extent of that is unknown. And if they, even if they get everything they need from a legal perspective on August 1st and all that's resolved, um, the NFL is not exactly swift with their discipline. So I would probably anticipate more of a later season Suspension um, or it might carry over it worst case it would be in the playoffs if the saints you know Were able to get back in and such but that would be horrible timing but at the same time This is how this stuff ties to play out You're still dealing with all this fallout with the deshaun watson stuff That's probably center stage and priority right now number one for the nfl But look I would say that august 1st is your next big date We'll have to see if that actually produces anything or we get another postponement and so if it postpones Camaro will probably be good for another few months um, to be on the field. But, you know, as it lingers more and more, um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But I don't think it's really from an organization standpoint, we'll just have to wait and see. We just don't. Mm-hmm. There's That's really all it is. We've got to wait until the legal process plays out, then NFL discipline, and then we'll figure out where we're at with Camaro
0: how about as, as a player i mean it was it was a tough season for him and you talked about the fact that the 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 downgrade the downgrade in talent at wide receiver because of injuries and everything else uh really limited really focused the defensive attention on him he's one of those running backs that tends to age well a guy who catches passes doesn't take so many big hits doesn't get so many car crashes is he uh, when he's on the field? Are we still looking at the same Alvin Kamara, and maybe even uh, you know, with uh, defenses not being able to key on him this year as much as they did last year?
1: Yeah, look, I think the best thing for him is don't give him 20 plus carries a game. You just that's, that doesn't make sense to me. And you know, I think that's that's tough to look at him last year and know that hey, Kamara having uh, 20 plus carries in games, and again, he's built for it. He can do it, but obviously when you don't have a solid backup plan, I mean, last year they were rolling in with Tony Jones jr. Because, you know, Latavius Murray got cut in camp. They cut Devontae Freeman as well because of the way Tony Jones jr. Was playing. And so come to the offense, the season, it's hard not to put 41 on the field. And so again, I say all that to say that, you know, that's one of the reasons they traded for Mark Ingram. They got good value out of it. Ingram comes back. It kind of helps take off that load, but it just, a lot of that was, you know that some of his production, a lack of production, is the offensive line shifting. I mean, they lost everybody except Cesar Ruiz, and uh, that was probably about it. You know, you lost Teron Armstead for games, you lost Ryan Ramcheck. you lost uh, Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, even for a few games, right? And so, um, you know, it's it's never ideal because that was a strength going into the season. Cesar Ruiz is a guy that has struggled a good bit, he's trying to find his niche, and so. I think Kamara is in for a better season, especially because, you know, offensive line perspective, you have lost Toronto, i said, but you know, you got Doug Marone, as far as a coach goes, I think he's primed for some really good uh, improvement there on the offensive line. Ryan Ramchick going to be good to go from his off season surgery. Uh, you got, kind of some things to figure out at left tackle and even in guard position i think some of those guys can get pushed a little bit but you know i say all that to say that a lot of this hinges on you know winston or Kamara on the offensive line i feel like if i was just in a, a betting mode that i would take the the over on how they're going to do is i think their productions would be better just because the way the offensive line is shaped up and then Kamara's usage will be what it needs to be and um you don't have to rely on him for 20 plus carries a game and get him more involved in the passing game where it's not so obvious and I think he's going to do much better this season in terms of production
0: so I want to stick to the offensive line for a second you lost Terran and Tehran Armstead and uh, and you mentioned Cesar Ruiz had a, had a rough year and there were injuries all around it's a group that was ranked number 21 going uh, going into the season by PFF uh it is this has been traditionally a strength of this team when it's, when it's going well, Uh, obviously drafted Trevor Penning uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, Could, could this group be, be poised for a bounce back?
1: Yeah, I would say so. And look, I think when you talk about Penning and left tackle, he's going to have to take that job from James Hurst. And I think James Hurst has earned a shot to start for this team. He's a, kind of a quiet leader, but he's very smart very intelligent. I think he's earned a legitimate shot to start and it won't be surprising to see him starting in week one. Pinning is, is a uh, a guy that I think is, has got a bright future. I think he's outstanding as far as his run blocking goes, his physical attitude. Uh, mauler mentality is what you hear. It's got to refine a little bit in the past protection. I think it's where he's got to grow the most. And for that fact, you got Hurst that's going to anchor that left side. Um, Andres Pete's coming back from an injury. And the thing is with him, you know he's yet to ever play in a full season, and you got to have a solid backup plan to him. And I feel like they do with Calvin Throckmorton. Um, and so, you know, with Ruiz, I think he's kind of the wild card here. Eric McCoy's going into a contract year. I think he's going to be fantastic. He's always been really strong for this team. Ryan Ramchick at right tackle, they missed him last season. It was just just hard to watch it sometimes for this team in the offensive line but I, I do think they're in for a bounce back i think the depth behind them is a lot better than it has been but the key is always health and availability and so if something happens to one of those starter guys you got to have a solid backup plan i think they have some pieces in there but i feel like you know if it starts getting to three and four on the depth chart in some of these areas and the thing is with new orleans you got to you always cross train so it's like whoever plays guard can play tackle and whoever plays tackle can play guard. They got a lot of these that shift or some play guard and center. And so if, if it breaks down too much, then I'm going to be a lot more concerned here from new Orleans. But if everything is the way it should be on hundred percent on paper, then I think there's no reason to expect this group not to rebound as well.
0: I got one, one other question about the running backs uh, after Kamara, what's the pecking order kind of like in case of emergency.
1: Yeah, so it's Mark Ingram, and look, I I think Mark has a lot left in the tank. And, um, you know, I would say if you're talking fantasy, if you're taking Camara, you better take Ingram, right? And you got to have the handcuff just because you don't know what's going to happen with this legal process. And look, I think Ingram is a guy that, you know, when he needs to, if he's got to step up, he's going to step up. And after that, that's where it gets a little bit concerning. You know, they had David Johnson come in at, at minicamp couldn't get a deal done because they couldn't agree on some of the money maybe they revisit that a good bit but it tells me that they're definitely still a little bit concerned or at least they're going to add somebody and they did this last year in camp they added Devonte mm-hmm. freeman and so freeman didn't make the team but he did latch on in baltimore um you know and they played a good bit of games for them so i would expect them to to look and do some due diligence i wouldn't rule out them looking at trading for somebody if something crazy happens and so Um, But as it stands right now, it's a lot of special teams guys. So it's Tony Jones, Jr., a guy that looked really good in training camp last year, got hurt early on in the season, and then he came back, he just wasn't the same guy. Um, Dwayne Washington's been more of a special teams guy. He's carried the ball a little bit. Uh, Devin Azigbo is on another stint with the team. You know, they picked him up from Jacksonville, posted him from the practice squad, and he's kind of hung around a good bit, and he could carry the ball too. But um, I think of those guys, You know, is that a good three option? Probably not the strongest one. Um, I'm intrigued by their undrafted rookie they got out of Baylor, Abram Smith. I think Mm -hmm. he's a guy, a converted linebacker. He offers a tremendous amount of upside on special teams. And so I think he's more of a bruiser, more similar, I think, to to Mark Ingram, if anything. So I, I would be interested to see how he can push some of these other guys on the depth chart if you're trying to look at somebody maybe as a sleeper or somebody to just kind of watch on the roster. But to say the least if if something happens to camara something happens to ingram this team is kind of screwed at running back i just mm. but to, i would just to be blunt that's just kind of where i look at it not that these guys can't do it but it's 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 harder to for them to do the things they want to do if they don't have a guy like Kamara ingram on the field or available
0: yeah, that that that's when uh Jameis goes into Mad Bomber back to back to his Tampa days, right? <laughs> uh, uh, we haven't touched on the tight ends yet. Uh, last year there was a lot of talk about uh, Adam Trotman coming into the season. Uh, obviously, you know, the the issues, the in, the lack of continuity of quarterback kind of kind of hindered that. What what kind of outlook do we have at tight end this year, starting with him?
1: Yeah. Look, I think Troutman, you know, I thought he was somebody and a lot of us thought he was going to break out for a, a strong season and just, this wasn't there. And last year, the the way this team started, there was a lot of drops. There was a lot of just, just ugly football. Right. And so uh, Troutman was in that group. You know, they signed Nick Vinette, free agent guy. He missed half the season, you know, first half of the season, he only played in seven games for him. You didn't have Taysom Hill really a hundred percent available playing there. And, um, Jawan Johnson was a guy kind of started hot and fizzled out and cooled down a lot in a big way, and I think that was a lot into in terms of, um, you know, quarterback continuity. If there's one group that I'm most concerned about off on offense, it's tight end. I just don't know if they got enough there. They're banking on Taysom Hill to come in and, and kind of be mm-hmm. more of a permanent guide in that particular role. Um, but he is coming off a list Frank surgery, right? And so that is tricky. He was again. Guy that's been around the building rehabbing, doing it to facility work. And I won't be surprised to see him start the season on the pup or they start training camp on the pup, uh, physically unable to perform list. But how that turns out for him, I know he's meeting in the tight end room, a tight end group, something he's never done. Right. And so I think that bodes well for him and learning position a lot more. I think he's got upside there. Now, am I telling you he's going to be the next George Kittle? No, not even a close, not even a resemblance of that. He's not going to be in their top five elite. I think he can be good. But the thing is, the Saints have tried getting tight ends to measure up to the Jimmy Grahams for years, and they just haven't done it. They've tried Kobe Fleener, Ben Watson. I mean, even on the back half of his career, did pretty good. Um, You know, you get guys like Jared Cook decent you know came into his own and after a slow learning curve but you know at the tight end position i think Troutman probably be right now in your top as far as pecking order Taysom hill would be you know close second could be borderline top option but if i'm a fantasy guy and i'm looking at any of them i would stay away until that situation works itself out so more information is needed at the tight end group is what i would just tell you
0: Do you think Taysom will have some uh, some plays where he's kind of like a wildcat and I mean or or they're just going to strictly play him at tight end?
1: No I think you can still expect him to see some on some powers you know some short yardage situations not that it's it's going to happen every time because no matter what like last year uh if it was a short yardage situation he's going to go in there as a power guy or uh, you know for short yardage and stuff and so I don't know if you'll see as many of them this year, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. I think he's going back to more of that Jack of all trades where he'll play special teams. He'll play on a punt team. He'll play on the, uh, the kickoff team. He'll play a tight end. He'll play wherever he needs to, right. To, to just be on the field. And so, um, you know, that'll be, remain to be seen, but you know, I wouldn't rule out him trying to get some some of those short yardage and power situations like he did last year and has done for so long.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, one last one about, the, uh, about the defense. Uh, I know they'd love to play Tampa Bay every week, uh, in the season. It seems like all they do is like shut down. They're the only kryptonite for Tom Brady. Uh, when you look at, uh, when you, how does this team shape up? It, it's been traditionally a great team against the run. How do they shape up against
1: the pass? Yeah. Look, uh, here's the big things. Obviously the question marks is you lost your two best safeties, your two starting safeties and Malcolm Jenkins lost him to retirement. Marcus Williams goes to Baltimore right on a free agency deal. Not surprising. So the saints were kind of up a Creek without a paddle there, but obviously they made the first offseason move by getting Marcus may, um, he's coming off of an Achilles injury. So I obviously, uh, or AC, uh, yeah, Achilles. And so, um, ACL. Anyways, it's irrelevant because he's there, he's on the field and he's obviously doing the rehab and putting the work in and he's going to be one of the starters, right? And then they get Tyron Matthew and Matthew is a guy that's going to come in here and just really do some outstanding things. I think those two are your favorites to start. CJ Gardner-Johnson is your guy that kind of mans the slot, obviously in the nickel situations. Um, But, you know, beyond that, I think the safety spot is where they're deepest at in, in terms of the roster. I mean, they've got P.J. Williams, they brought him back. They picked up Daniel Sorensen, a veteran guy that's been around for a lot of years. Justin Evans is a the guy they signed as well, who is kind of revitalizing his career, coming back to football. And they have another guy to watch out for, which is kind of a sleeper, Bryce Thompson, a guy that can line up at various positions, who's turned a lot of heads at minicamp and OTAs. And so I say all that to say that between the secondary – In the corners, you got Lattimore returning. You've got Adebo that's obviously going to be in for an even larger role. You still have Bradley Roby. You've drafted Delonte Taylor, who's looked phenomenal as far as as probably one of the best rookies that they've had uh, in terms of how he looks. Their secondary's good. Linebackers, when you look at Demario Davis, everybody's waiting for his age to catch up to him. Hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's going to happen this season. Uh, They don't re-sign Quan Alexander. You get Pete Werner in the building, right? And so or in in his second year, I think he's in for a big season. I think he's going to do extremely well against the pass. And just because his sideline, sideline speed, just kind of his burst that he has. And then obviously against the pass, their pass rushers are outstanding. I mean, when they're healthy, they're six deep right now. And they're all six could start and do extremely well. So Cam Jordan. Marcus Davenport is kind of the question mark. I think he's going to be ready for camp. Uh, he's a guy going into contract year. I think he's going to look outstanding this season. Um, Peyton Turner's been cleared, medically cleared from a soldier su- shoulder surgery. He's going to be good to go. You have Tano passing off still. You have Carl Granderson who looked outstanding at camp. And then you also have Taco Charlton who he brought in as a free agent. Um, if you look at any area, say, and again, say all that, say this, any area where you might be a little bit concerned on the pass, I think it's the interior on the defensive line. They Didn't get a lot from David Anyamada last season. He served a six-game suspension to start the year, just wasn't as effective as he was the season before. Shy Tuttle's a guy that kind of familiar, familiar and starting with alongside him. But you have some unknowns, Albert Huggins. They picked up Jalil Johnson in free agency, Contavia Street. They still have other guys on the roster. Jordan Jackson's another one that they, they picked up in the draft. So I think that's an area they can get a lot better at. And again, it's it's if you had aaron donald's on your team it's a big big win right but that's not an area the saints do you know it'd take probably five of them to equal one aaron donald right now and so i think that's where you look at uh this being the, the biggest question mark on this defense specifically against the pass. i know they can plug the run but you know that'd be where i would say in a nutshell how you would assess the saints defense right now
0: awesome awesome i mean, amigo you just knocked it out of the park. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'd say, I'd say this was super, but you know, you, you've got enough, uh, you, you hear enough of super, <laughs> So, uh, I wanted to finish off. You mentioned Taco Charlton. You, I, I was listening back to our interview from last year. You gave such an incredible, uh, incredible breakdown of the taco scene in, in New Orleans. Uh, any new spots? And number two, that's number one. And number two, I got family that's going to be passing through for one day. So if you got two places to recommend, it doesn't have to be Mexican, Anything that they got to try, but make sure they know about the taco place. But okay, uh, anything, anything new on the taco front? And then two places yeah. that they got to go to.
1: I wouldn't say too much on the taco front. I mean, I, I'm I'm Honduran myself, so there's some places on the North Shore called Baleadas and uh, Jorge's that are outstanding as far as Honduran and even some type of Cuban food. And so um, those are two, but if you're looking at new Orleans and must-haves the, the Ruby slipper is one of the best brunch spots that you could ever go. Willie Mays. That's awesome. Outstanding spot to go to as well. Um, Those would be the two that I'd say you probably have to, you know, I know most people when they go to new Orleans, they'd look at Beignets or cafe du monde, which is great. But some of these more local spots are probably what I'd look at just, uh, you know, if you can go to Ruby slipper and eat some brunch, you'll be, uh, very happy and, and even more, I think I would say. And then, um, you know, man, I'm just trying to think any, like it depends if they're doing fine dining or if they're just wanting kind of some spots, but Willie Mays, Ruby slipper, I think those are two of the ones I would say if they even want barbecue, blue oak barbecue would be another place I'd look at. If they like burgers, go to company burger, that'd be another one. So, um, Between those, I think it's plenty to probably keep you uh, keep your family very happy, filled, and uh, you know excited for this trip.
0: Oh man, well, this was an exciting update on the on the Saints, Um, amigo. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. I want you to uh, plug anything you got coming up uh, leading up to training camp. Uh, Feel free. I'm going to put your uh, uh, feel free.
1: Sweet well yeah definitely just follow us on Twitter uh, you know or just follow me and then just come check out our work at Saints News Network um, saints.media is probably the easiest way you can access it but you know also what I would tell you is that we're I'm doing a lot more video work with a uh, brute uh, crew media this season um, that's probably going to be most exclusive thing so check us out there we have a lot of things, and it's not just Saints. It's Pelicans. It's fishing. It's it's anything you want to know is wrapped up. If it's college, if it's different sports, I mean, we've got it all wrapped up into Boot crew Media. So check us out there. Check me out to so like and find us on uh, YouTube, and then you know just keep up with all the work that we do. And and I appreciate all the supporters and all the help and. All the listens, downloads, whatever it is, flare signals, just kudos. It doesn't matter. I appreciate all the work because I'm not here without any of you guys and supporting me.
0: Yeah, uh, believe me, the the stuff that they got coming out is fantastic. I've been I've been consuming it all over the place. I'm going to make sure to make sure to give a like and subscribe to the uh, to the what's the YouTube page?
1: So it's just boot crew media. So I can okay. tweet it out with it or just uh, boot crew media. And crew is it's we're, – we're New Orleans, so it doesn't spell the right way, but it's K-R-E-W-E. So it's not crew like you're thinking. It's boot crew. And then so, you know, they do a lot of good work for sure.
0: Yeah, I saw that it's in your it's in your it's in your Twitter bio. So uh, yes, definitely Familia. Give them a follow and please otra vez give us a like and subscribe on YouTube too. So everybody hey, likes and subscriptions for everybody on YouTube. Por favor, <laughs> go to Familia FFB. Uh Also, again, go to Fantasy Points com. make sure you get uh put in your f- promo code familia 22 familia 22 in spanish get 10 percent off uh, again you got so much great content getting you re- we're getting you ready for your fantasy football drafts familia it's getting to be redraft season all 90 of you are coming back to this follow this follow this nfl insider series we're almost halfway through all 32 teams con mi amigo john Oh, thank you so much. And everybody, also, please, uh, all, you know, if you want to get the audio version, go to Anchor. Uh, get get us through Apple, Google, Spotify. Just put Familia FFP and uh for uh, original content. Otra vez, to our guest, our invitado de lujo, John, muchas gracias. And to you, everybody. Thank you so much thank for you. following. And, and remember, todos somos familia. Salud.